Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hey, Annie. Hey, Walt. Annie, we're back. It's year two. Yay! The the season where things really get going. Yeah, we're finally going to kick in the plan that we've had in place all along. Yeah. The, the, the Cylons have a plan? It's true. Just like us. Yes. We're, we're robot people. <laughs> I'm just going to just take off my my human mask. And... Yeah, finally. It's yeah, so feels so much better in here. On my giant robot face. Me and Lucy Lawless. Aw. You guys would be great. It's the real life crossover between New Zealand and Boston. Yeah, well, I hear that Boston is the New, the New Zealand of New England. Yeah, totally. I think so. Um, yeah. Criminals. Sure. Everywhere. Um, yeah. Funny accents. Yeah. End of list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam, Sam Neill? It's true. Definitely Sam <laughs> He Neil. shows up somewhere. He's very grizzled. Petting his pig. Aww. Um, look up the video of Sam Neill petting, petting his pig, everybody. It's it, it's not as gross as it sounds. <laughs> it's, it's not a metaphor. <laughs> it is not. It's just him. And, oh, and he has a bottle of wine, too. He's living so, his best life. Exactly. Uh, well, speaking of living people's best lives here and, in... Uh, and um, maybe not New Zealand, but Australia. They're, oh, they're yeah. neighbors. Exactly. They're, they're, they borrow sugar all the time. And um, also speaking of sugar. <laughs> oh, my God. It all comes into a full year two collision of yeah, crossover appeal. We sure do these transitions real well in it's year true. two. I'm glad that we pre-write all these segues yep. and rehearse them for weeks at a time. Yep. <laughs> Annie, what have we always and will always continue to do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two fandoms, so books, movies, TV shows, some form of narrative media, cross them over with another fandom and yeah. see where the, the fandoms cross over. And put them all together. Yeah, crossover it- Appeal. Because they're appealing. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, well, as no doubt astute listeners have already managed to piece together from our <laughs> expertly laid clues, what are the two pieces of media that we're mashing up tonight? So we are very excited to mash up tonight Mad Max, Fury Road, and Steven Universe. Oh, yeah. We're starting off strong on season two, everybody. Yeah, these are two properties that we're both really excited to talk about. Yeah, I think the only way that we were able to put them in an episode was if they were together because otherwise whoever got to talk about or didn't get to talk about one would be jealous of the other one yeah so now it's like well i could talk about either well i could talk about either we love both mm-hmm. of them we're just this is going to be like a seven hour mini series yeah. so strap on yeah <laughs> we're really changing the format in year two um but why don't you get it kicked off annie and a high octane race across the desert yeah to mad max fury road get your fire guitars ready yes the doof wagon yeah because we are going on a road trip with mad max fury road um so mad max fury road is a 2015 action movie set in post-apocalyptic australia 
um, in this look kind of five seconds into the future. So civilization as we know it has collapsed. Water and gasoline have become scarce and warlords hoard their supplies. Um, it was directed by George Miller, the creator of the three previous Mad Max movies. Um, this ma- movie follows Max, a road warrior, as he survi- tries to survive in, on this dystopian landscape and he joins up with a group of women escaping from Warlord and Morton Joe. Good names in this yeah, movie. Oh, such good names. Yeah, in all of the Mad Max movies. Um, I I mean, and I actually haven't seen any of the other Mad Max movies. Um, That's totally fine. Yeah, so this movie follows three other Mad Max movies and makes kind of references to things that happened. Um, but you don't need to watch any of the others to appreciate this. Um and in fact, you shouldn't watch any of the others because Mel Gibson is a garbage human. Yeah, and really, I mean, they they are all pretty independent of one another. In that, yeah, like, even the, I think the, and, the references that Fury Road makes are more just like Max had a hard life before. Yeah, this. it's like he he he's lost people, which it's like okay, you're living in a post apocalyptic dystopian landscape. Yeah, you probably lost people, and I think if you have watched the previous movies, you get a lot more out of those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but just knowing that he's someone with a troubled past is totally enough. Yeah, I mean, he's basically just like a man with no name kind of figure. Like he's a he comes into a story, and and for most of the movie, he has no name. So That's there true. you go. Oh yeah, feels guys, get ready for your feels. <laughs> Um, so the movie opens with Max, who's an isolated road warrior captured by Immortan Joe's War Boys, the cultish army who will sacrifice themselves for Joe in order to make it to Valhalla. Uh, Max tries to escape awesome chase scene to start the a movie made of awesome chase scenes, mm-hmm. um, but fails and is strung up as a blood bag, a living blood donation to War Boys who have cancer due to all the nuclear waste landscaping that they live in. Yeah, it's kind it's, of a common thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, you guys are, they, they refer to it as half-life because they're actually all filled with just, like, nuclear waste yeah. and have giant tumors. It's yeah, terrible. just not a lot of healthy people running no, around in this universe. No, and so, again, they all just plan to sacrifice themselves for this terrible man. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Max is not having a great day. No, does not begin well or uh, continue well for no. him. No. Uh, meanwhile, Immortan Joe sends off his war rig, driven by Imperator Furioso. Furioso! Yay! Uh, one of his supposedly loyal top lieutenants. Everyone thinks she's on a routine run to gas town, uh, but Furiosa has secretly stowed away Joe's, quote, wives, young women he's imprisoned and, use, and uses as breeding fodder. Um, so sex slaves, basically. Yeah. Um, Furiosa drives the war rig off course, leading Joe to realize that Furiosa is escaping with the wives. Um, he sends his entire party of war boys after Furiosa to, quote, kind of bring back his property. Yeah, so, he's, he's not a great guy. No, he's he's for real bad guys. Yeah. And uh, and, and not a, not really a looker either. No. Like, but like the, the movie just revels in how terrible he is. Yeah, and how gross and yeah. like oh, everything about him is disgusting. Yeah, the kind of the first shot we get of him is is really like... Just him as this, like, disgusting old man filled with, like, tumors. Yeah, like a sack of gross flesh. Yeah, like he's not, like, a strong person at all, but he's just projecting this image that he is all-powerful for the poor people who live in his, like, community. Yeah, he rolled very high on charisma. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's about all he's got going for. Intimidation checks are super high for him. Yeah, his his, um, kindness checks were... 
crit fails. It's kind of the the a crucial demo, or a, a really just a crucial character component that D and D has sort of left by the wayside, and which is really too bad. But isn't the kindness that we're all around the table together telling a story? That's a good point. Thank you. Aw, teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work. My, why I really appreciate that is because it was obvious you took a moment to really think about <laughs> I, it. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> what is it like to play D&D? And yeah, it is about being on a team. Also, yeah. I'm a Hufflepuff. Yay, kindness. Um, So back to Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Yay, lack of kindness. Woohoo! Um, Nux, who's one of the war boys, wants to be part of this epic chase after Furiosa, but he's weak from the war boy cancer. Um, when his co-pilot tries to take his car, Nux decides to string up Max, his blood bag, on his car and drive with Max as a, like, human hood ornament. Yeah, it really completes the image. Yeah, Max is having a real bad day. Mm, just keeps getting worse. Um, so, thus begins the giant awesome chase. This is, again, just a movie that is one extended awesome chase scene. Um that like yeah, with like these three plot lines sort of cycling in and around one another yeah, all and, at the same time. And Walt said that I didn't have to say literally everything that happens in the movie. <laughs> Everybody, you were gonna hear very much about all three of those plot lines. It was gonna be like three full pages of yeah. detailed breakdown as to like shot by shot what happens in yeah. this movie. No was gonna about it. It was three full yeah. pages of oh, synopsis yeah. before I looked over Annie's shoulder. And I wasn't done. <laughs> so I really enjoyed this movie, but very brief summary, Max and Furiosa and the wives evade Joe and his war party through sandstorms and rock mountain biker gangs and dead swamps. Rock mountain biker gang is a great name for a band. Rock mountain biker gang. I feel like that would be a great name for like a um, a bluegrass band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, y'all. We're rock, we're rock mountain, mountain biker, biker gang. gang. <laughs> <laughs> um. But hey, the movie is just one big awesome chase sequence to get to what Furiosa refers to as the green place. Um, this is where she was stolen from as a child. Um, and, and it is a place that, you know, she's thinking is is still lush and yeah. filled with growth like, and mothers and, and support and women. Yeah, like just a mythical <laughs> land of healthiness and happiness. Yeah. And uh, ladies. Uh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Team Warrig makes it to the green place only to find out that it's not green anymore. Oh, no. And it's been destroyed just like the rest of the world. Um, but they do meet up with a gang of lady bikers who are Furiosa's people from when she was a child, um, the Vovolini. They're- Very good name for society. Yeah, yeah. It's and, great. Oh, totally. And it's, it's you know, a little gynecological, but I yeah. dig that. No, I mean, that's what makes it so wonderful. It's like, it, he's writing his themes really big. Yeah, oh, totally. He's like, you're if you're going to ride with a lady biker gang, you, you name it something that really sounds like there's a there's a lady part that goes along with that. Yeah, they have claimed their space. Yeah. They're uh, reclaiming their time. Yes. <laughs> um. So... Furiosa and the wives and the Volvolini are have decided to ride further away, kind of into the um into the waste, into I think the salt, which I take to be the ocean. Yeah, just a big salt flat. Yeah. Um when Max suggests that they go back the way they came and take over Joe's Citadel. It's the only place that they know of with actual plant life and water, and it's their best chance at long term survival. So that chase scene that we all loved going out. We're going to do the same thing going back. Let's just pull a 180. Yeah. 
Um, Team Warrig is accompanied by Team Lady Bikers, and they fight their way through Joe's war party and back to the Citadel. They defeat Joe, although not without cost. I know, sad sad feels. Um, But they manage to take the Citadel with the support of the impoverished people who live there. Yay. Get your feels ready, guys. It's it's awesome. Yeah, it's really really great, and the the score, the big yeah. Drums. Oh, the the score is fantastic. The visuals are fantastic. The yeah. acting's fantastic. Everything's great. The stunts are amazing. Like but Annie, how are the characters? The characters are so wonderful, and I love them so deeply. <laughs> There's a long list of them too, and you're gonna hear them all right now. Yay. We have Max of the Mad Maxes. Uh, the New Hampshire Mad Maxes. The New Hampshire Mad Maxes. Um, he is a road warrior, survivor, begrudging friend to the good guys, um, played here by Tom Hardy. There's Imperator Furiosa, driver of the war rig, defender of women, all-around badass, played by Charlize Theron. In her sort of, like, the continuation of her transmogrification into an amazing badass action star. Yeah. Like, she'd already done a few films already, but then this was the movie that was like, oh, yeah. yeah. she she's She can do everything from, like, real intense dramatic roles to, like, fun... Yeah. Pretty roles. Frothy. Yeah. Fighty. To like dystopian action star. Yeah. Trying to assassin. kill Tom Hardy with a tire iron. Yeah. Charlize Theron, you can be our friend mm-hmm. if you if you want. Yes, please. Um, there's a Morton Joe who is the warlord, dictator, sex slaver, all around bad guy. As anyone with sex slaver in yep. their name should probably be tagged. Um, and the actor who plays a Morton Joe also played a um a villain in, I think, Mad Max Road Warrior. Yeah, I think he was the humongous. He, uh, is his yeah. name. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. I, th- I believe that was him. He's one of the bad guys. And yeah. That's the, that's the main one in Road Warrior. Um, so he, you know, he gets to show up again and be part of the, the Mad Max universe, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, bad guy version 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's Nux, who is a war boy turned good guy. Um, he just wants to be somebody and be seen. Um, and he kind of develops a relationship with one of the wives um, capable. There's the splendid Ankarad, who's the favorite of Joe's quote wives. Um, she is super pregnant, and she re- is really the leader of the rebellion against Joe. Yeah, and she is played by Rosie Huntington. Yeah, who's like a supermodel. Oh yeah, and she was like the she was in Transformers. Like that was her. Yeah, she was in one of the Transformers. And I think there's something really fun that Miller does with the wives in this, where they're all played by like. X, X models or current models and yeah. there's something very like they are very idealized but yeah. then get to deepen oh definitely them. like I think um, when you first see the wives they are you know the the rig is stopped they're outside of it and they are kind of washing off with some of the water um, and you know I think my first thought was oh this is so male gazy yeah like these women have been through a lot and we're just like looking at them as like it's these beautiful cheesecake yeah it's like real like and like um uh male gaze yeah. face and um and then you see one cut um like this this really gross chastity belt off another one and yeah. it's just, and it like just falls in the sand and it's an indication that it's like oh no this is not a romanticized version of these yeah. women's experience at all like they've been through a lot yeah this is them escaping from something terrible yeah and they've only managed to kind of look the way they do because joe has selected them in his totally creepy way yeah for sure um moving on to the other wives there's uh capable she's a redhead uh so props yay redheads. Um, she's kind and sensitive and gentle and she again develops a relationship with nux um 
There's Toast the Knowing. Best wife name. I know, right? Far and away. Um, she's the most cynical of the wives, and she knows more about guns, which I feel like suggests a more intense background. Yeah, I she, think there's a whole like world of fanfic you can do with her. Yeah, she really takes to the to the violent mm-hmm. aspects of the chase easily. Yeah, like she commits to to defense. And oh, to, totally. To doing what she has to do with no no regrets. Yeah, she's a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it's Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Um. So well done. Kravitz parents yeah seriously like you you raised a cool chick mm-hmm. um there's the dag who seems a little more out there than the other wives like she I feel like she'd be your friend who was like really into crystals yeah she's kind of witchy yeah. yeah um but she's really interested in plants and helping things grow which I think is really sweet and she gets to call people schlangas yeah which is just, like, oh there's great slang in this movie totally um and there's Cheeto the fragile who's who seems like she's the youngest of the wives um and there's this really great scene after um, someone dies. I Maybe I shouldn't spoil it. Yeah. After a loss is suffered. Yeah. She um, she tries to run back to Joe in a moment kind of a fear and desperation. And it's just a really heartbreaking look at kind of the compli- complicated layers of emotion um, when surviving sex slavery and having PTSD. Yeah. And it's something that I know that they talked to like Eve Ensler yeah. and a number of other victims of sexual abuse to really not even just like play it right, but construct the story yeah, for these wives that properly. It's, it's not just that they get to escape, but this is like a dangerous situation for them, which, you know, it means and like a lot of complicated emotions in its own and they've been literally imprisoned yeah. and how that like deeply affects you emotionally yeah, and I think they, they all are able to express individual victimization without ever being just victims yeah they're not like they're not reduced to anything but individual experiences are treated very validly yeah and I like that the the why the other wives like really rally around Cheeto in that moment mm-hmm. um and it, it's a very well done moment mm, Cheeto my, oh, my heart Cheeto um, there's Rictus Erectus, who is the son of Joe, who is uh, big on the brain, the brawn and light on the brains. Yeah, you sort of get the feeling that Rictus would be nice if this weren't the situation that everybody was in. I feel, yeah, he's just, he's real, like, bland. Yeah, he's like, just a big brawny idiot. Yeah. And, but he, like, really wants a son, wants a brother, and, like, yeah, he's just kind of, he he's sort of Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. yeah. Um, um but he's he's real on team bad. Yeah, oh for sure. He is fully bought in. Yeah. Um there's the people eater who is the lord of Gastown and basically a the war accountant. Yeah, another another in the uh the sex slaver category of like bad name, bad guy. Yeah, totally. Um and the bullet farmer who is lord of the bullet farm, also a major creeper. Mm-hmm. Um and we have again the war boys and the Vovellini um in their various gangs. Um, so g- giant cast of people, um, yeah. really again, awesome names. Everybody awesome out in the actors. desert together. Getting yeah. Filthy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so some themes of the movie, um, there's kind of the, um, working together, isolation versus community and mm-hmm. domination versus support. Um, Furiosa and the women succeed because they form a supportive group. Um, Joe's power is so fueled by domination and fear and neglect, Whereas Furiosa leads by offering a community and not leaving people behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Splendid and Capable in particular also represent this by encouraging others to see themselves as fully human, not as cogs in this warlord machine, and by accepting other people as worthy despite mistakes. Um, and that it, it ties into Nux's journey in particular. Absolutely. Um, 
hope is another big theme. Um, they like explicitly talk about hope mm-hmm. and uh, Max sees the future as as desolate and is just running from mistakes in his past, uh, references to previous movies. Um, he's afraid that hope will drive him to the brink of insanity because he doesn't see that there is any hope out there. Um, but with Furiosa and her community, he finds that success can happen for good people. And there's a potential future in a green place so that we create ourselves. Yeah, that there's nothing inherently corrupt about the place that Joe runs it's just being run terribly and cruelly and so like yeah. you can find hope in the ability to cre- to take a resource like that and use it for good and you can find hope in individual people mm-hmm. um this is not just a world inhabited by monsters right exactly um, that we can trust each other yeah um and uh you know crushing the patriarchy building the matriarchy feminism is a huge theme in this movie um not only are furiosa the wives and the volvellini hardcore and awesome but they are the representations of hope and growth um sometimes literally for the pregnant women and the volvellini with their seeds so they these women are are bringing on the future in multiple ways Um, in a world dominated by toxic masculinity, the women form a strong community that is inclusive and hopeful and one that people ultimately rally around. Yeah, and I think that there's something, I mean, in Max's journey, um, as a as a feminist guy who tries to do right by that, I think there's a lot in how Max is constructed as a character that's very instructive about how to be a good ally. Yeah, um, like it's called Mad Max, but he is really a supporting yeah. character in this. Yeah, he's there to help the other characters and he lends aid where it's necessary, but he's never the show. Like there's a great yeah. moment where they have a sniper rifle and like four okay. bullets and there's someone coming and like they need to make the shot and he tries a couple of times and misses and they're down to the last bullet and Furiosa just walks up and gestures to him and he very without protest acknowledges that she's the better marksman hands her the gun and then lets her put the gun on his shoulder to use it and steady it and it's yeah. just a moment of like yeah absolutely oh totally um so yeah so yeah and it, it's it's fun to see a a movie that is so wall-to-wall fun and actiony that is also really led by a a group of women yeah and it's very and is very responsible in its thought process about all its action scenes yeah like it doesn't it doesn't put anything in just because it would be cool there is so much amazing cool stuff but it's not like i think a lot of action movies it's not overstuffed yeah it doesn't get overstuffed and it doesn't overstep itself yeah i mean that kind of leads into things i like and think other people will like um like there's again this awesome visual spectacle like this is just a purely fun movie to watch with its giant fun chase epicness um and there are so many awesome physical stunts and crazy cars but it never feels overstuffed and it never feels like it drags um i i feel like i watched this movie twice in the theater and both times we're just like oh my god i can't wait to see this again yeah like it was the first time i remember walking out of a theater with you and you looking at me and being like we need to go watch this again yeah oh yeah if we had like gotten tickets for the next showing i would have been like great let's go yeah it was awesome um and again this is a movie that is a full-on feminist feminist action film um which we sadly rarely see um, and it's also a, an action movie that never loses sight of its characters and is kind of rich with meaning. Um, so while it's a super fun ride that has a guy playing a flamethrower guitar, um, it's also a really moving story. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of things that we tend to talk about on this show, especially it's a really good lesson in world building. Oh, it builds totally. these allegorical and 
broad constructs, but it doesn't over-explain anything. Yeah, it just lets it, it be the world, and it makes sense. Like, yeah, I think I get like I've I think I talked about with um, Children of Men that like I really don't like dystopian, you know, quote post post apocalyptic worlds that like I don't know try to like build these weird constructs of society that just are a cool idea but would never actually happen. Right, where it's like okay, you know, it is kind of funny that people make these hedgehog cars in yeah. the Mad Max world, but it's like if you are living in this dystopian wasteland, you're going to be a warlord because you can hoard all the resources. Totally. Like, so, yeah. yeah. The, the bones underneath all the crazy are really sound yeah. and really solid. Um. So, yeah, that is uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Can you um, tell us a little about uh, this other feminist? Yeah, I'm gonna um, gonna drive my goodness. war rig over yeah. to Beach City. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk get about... yourself some bits. Yay! Give me the bits. Um. So yeah, Steven Universe. Uh, Steven Universe is an animated series on Cartoon Network. Uh, it started in 2013. It was created by Rebecca Sugar, uh, who had initially been a storyboarder and writer on Adventure Time. Um. With a lot of these animated series uh, on Cartoon Network now and a lot just in general um, but it's something that I didn't realize until we started getting into Steven Universe um, the storyboarders are essentially the writers like you're creating the story through the art first and along with the words uh, and so Rebecca Sugar was a uh, storyboarder and writer for Adventure Time and then began this solo project she did both for a little while and then sort of decided that she needed to commit all her time to Steven Universe and thank goodness that she did um, it's a show that is full of music of fun, of spacefaring adventure and comedy, and also grief, post-traumatic stress disorder, issues of body autonomy, and deep, dark mysteries. Uh, it is amazing. Yeah. And it's and for it, kids. Oh, yeah. And it feels like it's for kids, too. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's trying to, you know, exist in a weird liminal space for adults, but also for kids. It's like, yeah. no, this this messaging is totally appropriate to what children can experience and understand but but then there's then this it's... undercurrent of ideas oh that, no but that's what yeah. i mean like kids understand like grief and mm -hmm. you know body autonomy but it's not presented in like a preachy way it's exactly. just yeah this kind of lovely narrative that is so true to the characters yeah. who are also fun and awesome oh yeah um so the basic setup of it um although i'm not going to go into too much certainly not three pages worth uh, Boo. <laughs> because one of my favorite parts of the show is that it is so completely willing to forgo exposition that isn't necessary in the moment that an event is happening um this show trusts its audience in a way that i really feel like honestly only children's television is able to do there's something about the way that kids watch TV where I remember as a kid I would never I was never hung up on the fact that I hadn't seen the first episode of a oh, show yeah. you drop in and as long as the world feels consistent, you just trust yeah, that there's a truth to it. You learn how things go. Yeah, exactly. And I think Steven Universe takes that and runs mm -hmm. with it. Um, so uh, I'm going to try to leave as many things as possible to be discovered as you watch it, um, because you should absolutely go and watch it. The episodes are only 11 minutes each. Yeah, so you can just pop them in when you are like... Heating yeah, up dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've uh, we burned through it real fast, and because it will also get under your skin and make you want to just keep watching forever. Well, I'm really sad that there aren't more episodes that are out right now. Yeah, they need to put them out. They're coming soon. Um, so the show rolls out its characters, its backstories, and its conflicts, and a very deep and multi-layered and well thought out mythology very gradually. And so the first season is fun to watch knowing almost nothing about it 
um, because everything gets to be a surprise. But the overall basics, the show focuses on a team of superhero aliens called the Crystal Gems, which protect the planet Earth and specifically their hometown of Beach City from giant monsters and corrupted aliens. Um, one of the team members, uh, most of them are uh, female gems. Uh, they're all aliens. They're, yeah, aliens. Their names they're named after gems uh, and have certain gem like characteristics. Um, one of the team members, Stephen, is an eleven year old boy. Uh, he is also only a half gem. Uh, his father, Greg, is a human, and his mother, Rose Quartz, was the leader of the Crystal Gems before giving up her essence in order to create Stephen with Greg. So she is no longer in the picture. So it's three superhero alien women and an 11-year-old boy named Steven, who also has some powers that he hasn't figured out yet. Yeah, he's learning his powers. Yeah. Um, Because the gems aren't human and Steven is only a little kid, a lot of humor is created in the show through the kind of of fish-out-of-water stuff on all sides. Um, Steven learns to master his powers and sort of navigate gem reality, uh, and the gems learn to interact with humans, and everybody grows closer as a family. Um, They get to know the townspeople, and... And some episodes feature just the Beach City side of the world. Um, Beach City has a very kind of Springfield-y feel to it, where you get to know the minor characters as much as the major characters over the course of time. Everybody gets their own episodes to grow and change. Um, And then other episodes feature just total space and portal hopping high adventure um, with pulling styles from anime to high fantasy to Buck Rogers kind of sci-fi. It's a really fun mix of styles and storytelling methods. Um, While all of this is going on, the show introduces mysteries such as what brought the Crystal Gems to Earth in the first place, uh, what is bringing all these monsters to Beach City, and why can't the gems Mm -hmm. go back to their homeworld. It feels really natural on the show because Steven is just learning these things, and so it's very much tied to his perspective and a lot of the gem's protectiveness and unwillingness to tell him things um, becomes a point of tension. But it it never really feels like the the writers are playing like don't look behind the curtain it's like there are a lot of things that i'm like oh yeah i didn't even think about that until steven starts to think about it right and then it comes up as an issue and the gems have to you know tell him about you know why they can't go back to their home world yeah like things are are addressed when they come up organically uh it's never yeah you never feel like the writers are just deliberately hiding stuff yeah. and having people be like oh we can't talk about that yeah exactly that's not, not since the accident yeah right and then like doing a scene cut and you're like why why didn't you ask them pertinent information right generally as soon as a question is asked it gets answered it's yeah. just about you as you watch the show you learn what the questions are um It also builds in ample space for the individual grief that all the characters are feeling about Rose being gone. Um, The gems have lost their leader. Greg has lost the love of his life. And Steven just wants to know his mother, even though that's an impossibility. Um, And so we get to spend time with all the different members of the team um, and explore their sort of own special attachments to Rose, um, which expresses itself in very different and sometimes not positive ways. True, Um, Rose is a very complicated gem. It's true, and so are all the other gems. And when there's tension in the group, it is dealt with very honestly, and sometimes it's just allowed to sit. Like, there is a... Yeah. It's not like there's, um, you know, every episode ends with, you know, um, 
meaningful soundtrack music and everybody yeah. learns it's like sometimes it's like no you're a family and you're not always going to get along right and sometimes there's a long stretch of episodes where like two characters aren't talking to each yeah, other for like very yeah, legitimate reasons because it's like you made mistakes yeah. and you have to figure out how to deal with them mm-hmm. and the nice thing is the show always comes back to the idea that these things can be dealt with yeah you just have to um so characters oh boy there's a lot of characters um that's uh one of the best parts of the show it loves everyone in it and wants them all to be happy uh, and it has deep backstories for all of them um, but some quick shots through uh, through the highlights um, Steven Yay! he's the center of the show it's from his perspective for the most part um, Steven loves video games food pizza fry bits television cookie cat ice cream sandwiches and fighting evil um, he's a real good Hufflepuff he's a he's a total Hufflepuff yeah, yeah. and the show is really him learning about the world both in terms of the superhero side of things and just the world in general yeah um there are the crystal gems themselves there's a garnet the main crystal gems. the main crystal gems there's garnet the de facto leader of the crystal gems uh garnet is calm cool deadpan and just a total badass i i would like garnet to like teach me how to be an adult yeah she's voiced by estelle who just does such an amazing job with her <laughs> she's and, so funny and yeah, cool she's like the secret she's not the secret mvp she's the mvp of the show yeah. but uh it takes a lo- like for in especially in the first season it takes a little while to notice her because she's so she, yeah she's laid solid. back yeah. yeah she doesn't interject herself into the story very much um there's amethyst the youngest of the crystal gems um she's more of a sister figure to steven whereas the other two are very much more parenty um yeah. amethyst is angsty, brash, good at shape-shifting um, with all of the metaphorical baggage that that yeah. comes with and is sort of similar to Steven trying to figure out where she fits into yeah. things. Um, she came in after the events that resulted in the Crystal Gems being on Earth. Um, and then there's Pearl. Pearl is rules-oriented, uh, somewhat to very obsessive. Um, she's a total type A personality. Um, she had the most complicated relationship yeah. with Rose, which gives her a lot to work through and some over great the course songs. of the show. Oh, such great song. She's voiced by Dee Dee Mango Hall, uh, Magno Hall, who was a Broadway actress and has such an amazing voice. And yeah. they really play oh, up to it. Just all um, the feels, guys. Yeah. Pearl is the perfect combination of like strength and rigidity and then fragileness yeah. at the same time. Um, and above everything, she is fiercely devoted to Steven throughout the show, um, despite her own issues that she's working through as things go. Which I really love. Yeah. Like, I... And all of the gems are, really. Oh, totally. But like, I feel like she could have been slotted into a very like almost like Caitlin Stark kind of yeah role where she gets uh, to be like too overbearing or too to end and really like aggressive towards this kid yeah who like she sees as a product of a relationship with someone she loves mm-hmm. um but Pearl is just so deeply devoted to Steven. Like, yeah. she, like all the gems are. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a really cool twist on what you might see elsewhere. Yeah, because uh, as you learn more and more about her backstory, it just gets more and more tragic and more and more fulfilling yeah. to see her in the present day and the way that she interacts in oh, the show. I just want everybody to be happy. I know. Um, there's Greg, Steven's father. Oh. Greg is a hair metal musician who lives in a van and runs a car wash in Beach City. Um, he's a bit unsure of how he fits into all all of the gem stuff, as he calls it, um, and that side of Stephen's life. But he's a great, really devoted father who was absolutely head over heels for Rose yeah. and lets that express itself over the course of the show. Um, yeah, he becomes a really integral part of the group as the show goes on yeah. um, and is always just kind of there as a very different kind of support figure yeah, for Stephen. Yeah, I like that. It's Again, this is like 
the gems plus Steven. I think they they have an episode called like Three Gems. And yeah, a, Three and Gems and a baby. baby. Yeah, and it's and it really is like Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, in terms of like all these people who probably did not have any idea how to raise a kid exactly. are like working together to raise an awesome kid. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then there's Rose Quartz, the absent main character of the show. We learn about her mostly through how others talk about her. Um, there's a lot of mystery around Rose, including the decisions that she made to give herself up and make Steven, and also her role in the events that led to the gems being stranded on Earth. Um, what's nice is I think the Steven Universe right now is in season five, and um, the second half of that is coming, and then next couple of months and it's been structuring itself more and more recently as a kind of mystery story to figure out like what Rose's story was yeah so we're hoping to and get like some, some real soon. dark sides of Rose yeah potentially and some real questions of morality yeah and, uh, there was a war involved and wartime decisions get discussed a lot um then there's Connie Maheshwaran um oh, Connie. a human girl Stephen's age whose parents live near Beach City um she's smart funny and fierce and proves herself to be a really valuable friend to Stephen and an asset to the gems she yeah. basically becomes a member of the team she she's like Hermione yeah, in general. she's a total she's just Hermione. So, so smart and capable, and you love her so much. Yeah, if Harry and Ron were less angsty. Yeah. Like, like it's like she and Stephen are so joyful together. Yeah. Um, but Stephen is definitely not smart. Well, he's he's, he's not, emotionally smart. Yes, he's very empathetic. Yeah. Connie is very intelligent. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's oh, a, they're so great. A Ravenclaw and a Hufflepuff. Aw, together at last. Yeah. Um. And then there's a few other gems that uh, we get to know really well, uh, Lapis Lazuli and Peridot. Um, so fun. They pop up along the way and have very different experiences of and opinions about the crystal gems and Earth and its inhabitants. Um, Peridot in particular becomes another sort of MVP over the course of she's, the show. She's like a real mean cat. Yeah. We just love. <laughs> yeah. She is really just like structured around cat-like behavior. Yeah. And it works very well. Uh, and Lapis Lazuli is always good for some deadpanning. Um, there is Jasper, a gem from Homeworld, mm. who becomes one of the bigger antagonists of the series. Uh, Jasper is a major bruiser and really not nice at all. And um, stands in, a, in opposition to a lot of the things that the Crystal Gems themselves stand for. So it's an interesting measure in opposites. Yeah. Um, and then there's Lion. Oh, lion is a lion. Literally, except he's bright pink, he has magical powers, and he acts exactly like a dog at all times. Um, Annie and I have a very special affinity for Lion because we were first watching Steven Universe around the time that we got Bodo, and the resemblance between Lion and Bodo is We uncanny. would watch Lion do something and be like, oh, Bodo does that too! Bodo does that all the time! So I assume that some writer on Steven Universe like has a dog that they are modeling yeah, Lion exactly after. Without a doubt, because... And then someone has has a cat who they're modeling Peridot after. Right, because anytime anybody tries to get Lion to do anything, he just stares at them and then walks over and like chews something up yeah, in a corner. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lion's great. Um, and then there's the people of Beach City. There's Lars and Sadie who run the Big Donut in town and have a bit of a will-they-won't-they they vibe or complicated relationship mm. that the show actually takes in some really interesting directions. Yeah, especially towards the end, the middle of mm -hmm. this season. Yeah, towards yeah. season five. Yeah. Um, there's the Fryman family. They run the fry shop. Um, especially Ronaldo, the older son um he is beach city's resident conspiracy theorist um there are the cool kids in town buck dewey who's the son of the mayor uh jenny pizza and um a character i just need to preface he's a character named sour cream yep. who's voiced by brian posein he's a dj and always has glow sticks in his pockets God, which he I just throws that. out occasionally yeah. in celebration um they're very cool but they're not mean 
and they drive around in Jenny's pizza car, and yeah. it's delightful. Um, there's Sour Cream's family, uh, his brother, his little brother, Onion. Who, of course. Yep, uh, who is the weirdest, creepiest child ever, uh, but they still manage to get some heartwarming moments out of Onion, despite his very sociopathic tendencies. Uh, there's Sour Cream's mom, Vidalia, and his dad, Yellowtail. Um, and then there's the pizza family. There's Kiki, Kofi, and Nanafua, um, who run Fish Stew Pizza in Beach City and are just a delight. Um, I think Ian Jones Cordy, who is one of the early writers and, and is Rebecca Sugar's partner, um, modeled the pizza family off of his family, who's a uh, Ghanaian. Um, really? Ghana. Yeah. Aww. Um, and so they're that just like... That makes me love them even more. Yeah. They're a wonderful presence um, throughout the show. Uh, and then there's so many more characters. We haven't even talked about the fusions yet, which oh, I'll just yeah. let you all discover yourselves. The, but, the little rubies. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are so many amazing characters in this show. Just go watch it right now. Yeah. Um, um, but when you do, uh, you will agree with me on the following amazing themes and fun stuff. Um, family is a huge theme. There's so much emphasis placed on this idea throughout the show. Um, both biological and found families are a core component of the way that all of the characters succeed, um, not just interact. Um, grief, everyone is affected by Rose Quartz's absence. Uh, the show gives every all of them a space to heal for that, and most of the time they do that together. Um, Fusion is a theme in the show. Um, fusion and connection, I would say. Uh, one of the primary drivers of the show is the gem's ability to undergo a process called fusion, where two gems merge with one another and create a third entity who has her own personality um, and powers and is usually more powerful than the two individual gems. Um, the show does so much with this concept. And both from a storytelling standpoint, but also thematically, because it uses it to touch on issues of sexuality, of gender identity, of body autonomy, of consent, um, the different ways that you can think about a process whereby two entities combine with one another really get addressed in about as many different permutations mm -hmm. as you can think of. Um, and, very, and all really sensitively. Yeah, sensitively and maturely and in a way that is that feels acceptable on an elemental level and understandable on an elemental level to kids. Um, redemption is a huge theme. None of the antagonists on the show thus far have been beyond hope and even if they are, Stephen refuses to admit it. Uh, the gems draw a very hard line between disabling or imprisoning their enemies in the hope of... Um, reconstructing them um, and flat out killing them and that line gets tested more and more as the show goes on um, and then there's just things adults don't think that kids should learn about but kids totally should learn about for all of the above um, this is a show that is not shy about delving into very deep very heavy issues but it does so in a fair and curious and open-hearted way that fits perfectly into how kids learn about the world around them yeah. um, obviously i'm not the leading expert on this but i can't imagine a better show for kids to watch right now um, than one that encourages them to find love caring and acceptance for everyone around them yeah and i like I just thinking about one show, one episode in particular that I found really meaningful was um, kind of Stephen and and Connie both having various feelings about um, mistakes they'd made and feeling really bad about them. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of shows would just say, oh, you know, you've got to just kind of like move forward. Um, but the show focuses on instead like you know, neither character wants to feel bad. They they just want to, like, move forward and forget. And it's like, no, you have to feel bad. Like, you yeah. have to l feel your feelings. Yeah, even give if it they're, space. Yeah, even if they're not comfortable feelings, you have to let yourself 
have that moment so that you can move forward and you can kind of live your life from then on. Yeah. And then it even further layers onto that by acknowledging that there are some feelings that that's not that don't get fixed just by that yeah that you know it it, fi- it finds this whole of like okay give yourself a moment to breathe and experience the feeling and then it will pass and then they encounter a feeling that that is not the case yeah for and it, you know it it, it, it but never that lies mean to that that feeling is that either yeah um, it just means that it's going to take more yeah and it's it i love that it's a very complicated nuanced approach to these really big issues yeah it doesn't um, get categorical about yeah. anything and it's just loving. It has it really so much is. heart. Um, oh, and, and the music. Oh, my God. Oh, so fun. Oh, so much just ukulele like, and chip tune. Yeah. Um, I put it like really like clever songwriting. Yeah. Super sweet, fun. Yeah. Um, and they've said in interviews, Rebecca Sugar has said in interviews, it's not a show where they're going to, they're ever going to have a song every episode because they want it to be surprising and natural when it does yeah. happen. But um, it happens frequently enough to be just super enjoyable. Um, and they play around in all sorts of different musical styles and show off the the actors' voices in great ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've talked a lot about Mad Max and Steven Universe oh, they're so in good. isolation. Yeah. Now let's bring them together. Yeah. Um, quick thematic crossovers. I think it's pretty apparent yeah found families connection um awesome female led communities Mm -hmm. trauma recovery yeah um redemption and hope yeah i think that they're all the all the big ones really there's more themes in common than not yeah oh totally um consent and body autonomy yeah totally Mm -hmm. um so yeah how about the the practicals of it how do these worlds collide um so when I started thinking about this, the first thing that came to mind was the um, the desert through the, yeah the salt flats yeah the where um, well in Steven Universe oh yeah oh yeah. that's right yeah where yeah. you find um, kind of that where old... he first meets Lion yeah exactly mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that I can't remember was that through Lion's Mane um, they wind up there they get there first and then they meet Lion there so yeah. And then they get back. I think. How do they get there? I think the they just go there time. online. Oh, the first time they're, they're, they take a portal, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's there. It's yeah. on. So it's it's not exactly in the same space as, like, it's on a different plane. It's basically. on a different continent. Yeah. I think. Um, so I feel like they would, like, that is, all, like, part of the dystopian landscape in Mad Max. Ah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's like a world that's accessible to them. Yeah. But yeah. I was thinking, um, in the spirit of both of them having very grim openers, like like the, the backstory is dark for yeah. both of these stories. Um I kind of wonder if there's an el- there's an element in Steven Universe of uh, the gems being this kind of colonizing force mm-hmm. and there being a war over Earth in that respect. And I kind of wonder what would happen if the war got won by the colonizers and that a lot of the wasteland, the apocalyptic oh, wasteland yeah. that we see in Mad Max huh. was actually a result so of the gem of... war going a different way. Because I feel like... Like watching the show, I see the gem wars happening like way, way, way back in mm-hmm. in history before humans were like really. A Which thing. I think they do. Yeah, um, but yeah, I actually I really like that where it's like this is 
almost like a reboot of humanity. Yeah, and like the gems have terraformed Earth yeah. and like sucked out all the resources. Oh, totally, because they're making the kindergartens. Yeah, exactly. And so, but then humans have managed to either hold on and survive or have reemerged after this. And uh, so we're looking at the last vestiges of humanity ah. and the last vestiges of the Crystal Gems Rebellion. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got everybody kind of in the same space, uh, including all the antagonists as well. Okay. Yeah, I can dig that. Yeah, because then I think again they start. They all. They both start real grim. Oh, totally. But then they get way better. Yeah, because yeah. of ladies. Ladies doing it for themselves. Um. So, so in this world, like, is Beach City a thing? Like, still weird. Is it still weird? It, yeah. Yes, right. It is still weird. It's totally, keep Beach City weird. <laughs> um. But like, is. Maybe Beach and Morton City. Joe, like, lording over the Citadel while Beach City is living a completely normal life. Or is he lording over Beach City? Oh, that's real dark. I know. It's grim, but, like, oh. there's there's all this reason. Like, Beach City, if Beach City is a big oasis, yeah. right? It's on this water supply. It yeah. has a beach. It's up in the mountains. Has it been conquered by some warlords? Yeah. And so, like, you know, maybe the Crystal Gems have been in hibernation or something yeah. in the temple. and uh, And so they need to come out much like Max and learn to believe in a cause once again and, yeah. and battle Immortan Joe and other gem, so, homeworld gems. Yeah. I wonder, is Immortan Joe, is he a human or Ooh. is he some kind of... He, is he a corrupted gem? He's corrupted, yeah. He's way corrupted. He I mean, is. look at him. He's super gross. Yeah. I yeah. could see that. And like, even be, yeah, being like one of those weird multi-fusions mm-hmm. that just like... Yeah. Ugh. Where it's all stuck, like one of the experiment fusions. Yeah. Because his, his body is covered up because yeah. Yeah, he's trying to present himself as this image of strength and power. Absolutely. So maybe he's covering up some weird gemness. And, okay, (laughs) it's going to get dark. (laughs) Is he trying to propagate himself? I mean, is he yeah, is, is he, he interbreeding trying... with humanity yeah. in order to try to so. like continue? Yeah. I think so. This is this is in so many ways that are actually really upsetting the perfect fusion of Steven Universe and Mad Max right now. There's just yeah, no, but like, is, like that's. I think that's a lot of what the gems were looking at in was season four. Yeah. Of like how disturbing the forced fusions were. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this what is that a forced means. fusion forcing himself upon humanity. Exactly. And trying to spread that. So, I mean, maybe even the homeworld gems are not as much of a presence anymore. They've left. Yeah. This I'm is thinking like... this is, yeah, like. And then they can come back, of course. Oh, sure. For the, for the climactic final battle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like they, they've left this mutation that is spreading out and trying to like to dominate the rest of humanity. Yeah. Bluff. Yeah, right. Oh, I feel so gross. I know, but like that's Immortan Joe, man. Yeah. He's real gross. Yeah. I feel like I did watching the first 10 minutes of Mad Max for your Yeah. Own. Where you're like, oh, God. Oh. Get out of there, girls. Yeah, no. They, somebody's got a got a poof Immortan Joe back into a crystal yeah so right the temple yeah wow um all right well let's let's delve into this terrible yeah. reality um and then figure out how they're gonna get out of it um yeah so, uh so yeah so is it basically Mad Max Fury Road with the gems along for the ride I mean okay so I guess the one we can we can establish if if Mad Max Fury Road is the starting point yeah. what is the end point what is the thing that they're trying to get to that will help them um, from Steven Universe's universe. Like, are like, is it the Green Place is something that we've seen before? Are they trying to get like a gem artifact of some kind? Uh, let's um, let's say a gem artifact that will enhance 
green like the the world itself it'll like reactivate yeah and you know that's actually rose quartz is very associated in the show with like fertility and yeah. with growth i mean she has this she like and treats she, cares for these plants and yeah she's like a voluptuous yeah i mean she looks so motherly exactly and as itself so like she is definitely on the side of fertility yeah are they trying to go and obtain <laughs> something that will sort of it it's it capture it has some of rose's essence left in yeah. it and like steven needs and, to activate it yeah and this will like re almost like reactivate the earth's there are natural resources yeah exactly so they're trying to basically race against the clock and joey's trying to stop them yeah um yeah absolutely okay race across the desert yeah um yeah to roses um destroy palace absolutely yeah. To, yeah to rose's palace we got and then like dog copter can be there flying above trying <laughs> to help out um yeah every the whole gang's there yeah beach cities riding along in in greg's in van pizza cars yeah. <laughs> greg's van gets super decked yeah, out exactly. yeah exactly like all these cars get real decked out yeah okay uh, and Morton um, Joe's doof wagon, obviously, but then Greg playing on the doof wagon yeah. converted van of his own. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking he, instead of fire, he has like electricity. Yeah. Yeah. Just shooting out yeah, exactly. And, like, Bolts Amethyst of lightning. driving, and yeah. it's really great and intense. Yeah, absolutely. I would watch this. I love that. <laughs> I'm seeing Amethyst as a polecat of her oh, own, where she's God, just like yes. flinging herself around. Yeah, she's jumping right into a car and mix, yeah. mixing it up. Totally. Yes. One million times, yes, I love this crossover. <laughs> yes. I mean, we already knew we were going to love it. It's true. Everything oh, my God. And um, Parada is building her suits. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's going to build the craziest car. And she and Pearl are helping to make the war rigs for the gems. Yeah. And everybody, and Furiosa. And yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, Furiosa is giving them tips and, yeah. you know, training the fighters. Oh, totally. Um, I think Steven and Connie are probably riding Lion. Yeah. No, well, I see. I was thinking of um, Stevani and when Ooh. she was driving. Oh yeah, like, she's a I, good driver. She's a real good driver. So I feel like their fusion would be like an awesome driver. Yeah, would be in the driving. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. There's gonna need to be a fusion game. Yeah, for this episode. <laughs> that is true. Uh, there's going to be some fusions discussed. Um, in fact, that might actually be a more comfortable fit than Kiss Your Faces. Well, that's the thing. I feel like Kiss Your Faces. Is a version of fusion. Yeah, it's basically the same. Who's uniting together? Yeah, but like you can be a fusion and kiss your faces, but you can be a fusion without being kiss your faces. That is true. I guess fusion is kiss your faces plus best buddies. It's true. Together at last. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, who do we think? Who are who are some good fusers fusions? Um, I think Furiosa and Garnet are two of are, the best badass yes, ladies. Tailor made leading this revolution. Absolutely tailor made for one another. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, right? That's what you that's got. It's gonna be really hard to top. Um, how about Nux? Nux, um, uh, I think I, Nux and Lapis, maybe, or oh, Nux and Paragon. Yeah, I was thinking Lux and uh, Nux and um, Amethyst, actually. Oh yeah, because Amethyst, yeah, she really wants to prove herself. That's true, and so and does she, Nux. Yeah, like, and and they're very like overt mm -hmm. in their methods. Yeah, like, although would that be like, I mean. Would the risk there be like when Amethyst and Garnet fuse yeah, and it gets really destructive? Intense. Like, it, okay. does, does Nux need a balancing force? I guess maybe they, they're best buddies, but maybe not a fusion. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, um, so I think if I, yeah, maybe a Lapis yeah, for Nux. To sort of keep everything stable. They're yeah. both they've both been victimized yeah. in the past and they're both hurting from who they were and yeah. they've changed their roles. I mean, I feel like and Lapis and... The wives would all be best buddies. Yeah, they would all have a like lot to they talk would all about. understand about being in these abusive relationships. Yeah, and being yeah, and being subjected to this yeah. kind of kind of 
lack of consent. Um, um, on the bad side, I feel like Jasper would be like mm-hmm. big fusion with um, Rictus. Rictus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be a real dangerous fusion. Oh, yeah, because they but just want to be, destroy. Yeah, exactly. And just like Jasper is not not stupid. Like yeah. she's an intelligent gem in ways, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but she is so aggressive. Yeah. And I feel like she would just utilize. It's the um, only way she knows to prove Rictus. herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where would like Yellow Diamond fit in on this? Because I feel like Homeworld gems come back maybe at a moment when all seems lost and are abjectly horrified by a Morton Joe. I don't know. Like, yeah. But like, I think that, okay, so maybe they would be abjectly horrified by a Morton Joe, but their response would be, we need to destroy the earth. That's true. They, they, they wouldn't be like, be well, we need out. to clean this out. We'd be like this. They would be like, this is a terrible mistake. Yeah. We need to true. take this out of the universe. So yeah, maybe they show up, they shatter a Morton Joe. Oh, and I don't that, know. Yeah, no, somebody should. I feel somebody like else should. I feel like it should be like a three-way battle at that point. Yeah, that's where, true. Like, Homeworld gems are battling Joe because they think he's an abomination, uh-huh. but they're also battling the crystal gems because the crystal gems are like, no, we're trying to save the earth. Yeah, we're trying to get back to it, trying yeah. to get through to it. And they're yeah. like, we, you are not even on our team anymore. We need to yeah. destroy you along with the earth. Yeah, get out of here. Um, yeah. yeah, man. I feel like I had some thought about. Oh gosh. But I don't like. I think Morton Joe's already a gross mutant fusion. So yeah. he's not fusing with anybody. No. Um, I don't think anybody would want to fuse no, with No, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, oh, gosh. I was just thinking of Yellow Diamond, and I can't remember where I was going to go with that. Um, well, while, while you're thinking about yeah. it, how about Max? Um, so Max is someone who's really guarded. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like he and... Um, and Greg are maybe are not going to be fusions because no, they're both human. But they'd be friends. But they would be friends because I feel like you know they've both lost. I mean, I assume I think in uh-huh. one of the in the first movie, Max loses his like wife and kid. Yeah. Um. So I think they would understand that kind of grief. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Maybe tying with that, maybe Max and Carl could be a fusion. That was my thought yeah. because he's a stabilizing force and he's somebody who would really who's caring. Yeah. And she is somebody who. Like she, she respects that. I think she yeah. would respect his abilities, yeah. but also like respect his openness. And he's a little more not easygoing, but well, I think he's I gar- he's guarded in many ways, and so is yeah, Pearl. That's and true. And I think they would respect each other's restraint. True, and they're very capable in different ways. Yeah. Um, I think that like Pearl, they're very like goal oriented. Yeah, and they're very fluid. I think. Yeah. Like in how they in how they move. I think, yeah, absolutely. They would be a fusion. Yeah. And a very interesting one. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Um how about um some of the wives? Oh yeah. Um so obviously friends with Lapis. Friends with Lapis. Um, um I think uh oh god, I'm looking back up at all their amazing names. I think names. I feel like um Splendid I mean, not that Rose is around, but I feel mm-hmm. like she and Rose have a lot in common in terms of like they're women who the other women are all looking to as leaders think, and and who end up like sacrificing themselves in ways yeah. for their communities. I think yeah, there's something in Splendid that I think would be an additional part of the key to activating this rose yeah. essence thing. That yeah. like does she give Steven something or... I mean, so in Mad Max, she is super pregnant. She is yeah. like 8 months pregnant. True. Um is is her child part of that? Being a oh right, and a Morton fu- Joe baby, and a Morton Joe fusion baby. Yeah. So he's also 
potentially like a Steven. Yeah, that's true. And so maybe like the yeah, the baby becomes part of it and then Steven gets a little sister or yeah. a little brother at the yeah. end of it. Yeah. To to care for it and the cycle continues. Because yeah. I think Steven's grown up by this point. Oh, or, totally. Yeah, adopted his role. Um yeah, absolutely. Um, um I wanna bring in um the the donut shop gang. Oh yay. Well I mean I think Sadie uh you know, maybe Sadie and Pearl would fuse. Yeah, well, they they both have similar like um, feelings. Uh, yeah, of um, not exactly unrequited love because yeah. Pearls is requited in ways, mm-hmm. um, but they they both are dealing with not being their loved ones' primary. True. Focus. I guess they're also in the same universe, though. I just crossed over two characters from the same from the same piece of of fiction instead of yeah. That is true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think Sadie and the wives would get along well. Yeah, um, I think she would learn a lot from Furiosa. Yeah, oh my god, I feel like she'd she, be such a good Furiosa protege. She, and because she would be like, I am on this now. I mm-hmm. found my mission. Yeah, this is it. And I think similarly, uh, uh, Nux and Lars would hang out a lot. Oh my god! And then <laughs> I think Max would smack some sense into Lars. Yeah, right. And I think um, I think Capable and Sadie would actually be friends too, in that similar mm-hmm. way of like capable they're empathetic like, yeah like, being yeah and like helping sadie kind of see more in herself because yeah. i feel like sadie is kind of down on herself in many ways mm-hmm. um and i think capable is a very supportive person yes um i think that um oh um not the dad. Uh, toast the knowing. I feel uh-huh. like she would be on Team Cool Kids. Yes, she would be in the pizza car. Yeah, she would be yeah. like riding the pizza car, shooting yeah. off with like sour cream DJing in the back. Yeah, of it, right. Like, and oh my glow god, I love that. Yes. Um, yeah, I think sour cream might like wind up best buddies with the Doof Warrior and convince him to join. Yeah, Team awesome. Yeah, I agree. Like he would. And it would be like. We need your your flamethrower guitar to warm our pizza oven. Exactly. Get in here. Yeah. You're at Fish Do Pizza now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, just thinking about the different vehicles that come out of Beach oh, City. Oh, exactly. Are it would be awesome. Yeah. Um, oh man. Mr. Smiley just popped into my head. Like everybody's great in Steven Universe. Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, Mad Max has more economy of characters who are not terrible. Like. Yes, like because half of the Mad Max character list, it's like you know the people eater and the bullet farmer, right? Who like they're not gonna be best buddies with anybody. No, no. We'll, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. So, <laughs> oh, okay. How about this? I think, um, the people eater and the bullet farmer. You know, there's the tension in Mad Max as they recognize that Immortan Joe is wasting resources. Yeah. What if they contact Homeworld Gems yeah. to try to get them back to intervene? Yeah, and so they're they actually wind up fighting with like Yellow Diamond and stuff. Yeah, um, because, and they're like, yeah, because they were just like, we need you to take out Joe, and right. then Yellow Diamond and Blue Diamond are like, we need to take out this whole world. Right, but then like maybe the bullet farmer and and uh the people leader are still thinking they can turn this to their advantage oh totally or like they'll go back to they'll go to home world and prosper yeah and so like, are are they gems as well i don't think so i think they're they're just trying to play the angles on it yeah even past the point where yellow diamond and blue diamond aren't going to take i guess with them. i mean you would see that like no home world has way more resources i want to yeah, be there exactly and like you're going to need a man who has bullets and the crystal gems or the gems are like uh-huh okay no we're just going to kill you all yeah um, so I feel like this, I don't know if this is Battle Dome or Best Buddies, but I kind of want to see 
the Rubies and the War Boys <gasps> in a room together. Oh, man. Yeah. Because Rubies are so adorable and evil. Yes. And like and sociopathic. The, yeah. And like, I feel like similarly about the War Boys. Like, they're yeah. so awful and they're on the side of bad. But they revel in it. But yeah, they revel in it. And I love them as a conceit. I think there'd be like a, a yeah, a car of Ruby Polecats being like, <laughs> witness me! Witness me! Oh my god! These are very exciting. Absolutely. Uh, oh god, all the voice acting for the movies. I know, oh my god, I, I love I think it's the all Rubies. the same actress, too. I think so. Um, but like, I I want one Ruby, aside from the real Ruby, to, to be, be good. good. Yeah. I just, because they're so cute and adorable and hilarious. Yeah, but it works so But they're so, so well. evil yeah. and creepy. Yeah, oh, they're so creepy when they want to be. Um, this crossover is awesome. Yeah. Yay for year two. We're oh, already killing um, it. I think um, uh, the um, grandma from the pizza shop. Oh, yeah, Nanafuli? Yeah, I think she is She is on the Volvolini team. She yes. That's her, like, oh, like my weekend God. motorcycle riding team. And Kofi is, like, really uncomfortable with it. He's, yeah. like, he's like, Mom, you got to stop that. you so got to stop that. for this. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not too old. No, no, no she's, she's sharpshooting with the best of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. I want this to happen. Right? I, you know, this is one of the few crossovers that we've done where, as we're talking about it, I'm like, I bet there's fan art of this out there already. I hope so. I mean, it's the first thing I'm Googling as soon as we're done. Yeah, right? That's for sure. Oh, my God. I would love that. Yeah. Um, well, and okay. it's like all this thing where I feel like I could just keep going on and on because yeah. I love these characters so much. Yeah, and, like, and it's such an extensive world. Yeah. I'm going to keep spinning this one out in my head. Yeah. So I'm sure we can add some more in the comments as we think about them. Yeah. Um, but we're going long. So we should move to Reader's <gasps> Advisories. Oh, guys. I just want to talk uh, about this all day. All I love things. all of these so much. I know. Um, so, um, for Mad Max Fury Road, um, if you want more kind of dystopian landscape, bananas, directing, mm-hmm. fun, um, try Snowpiercer, which is another thing that we previously talked about. It's directed by a banana. <laughs> bananas directing. Ding, ding, ring, banana film. <laughs> yep. Anyway, sorry, um, that was a terrible joke. Yep. So, um, Snowpiercer. Um, <laughs> the storytelling doesn't hold up as well for me. Like, it is it is a dystopian setup that I feel like makes literal no sense as not how you would structure a society. Fair. But um, Bong Joon-ho's visuals are, like, straight up George Miller's alley. If mm-hmm. you want, like, again, just crazy fight scenes... Like really weird looks at what the future is. Yeah. Um, Bong Joon Ho is there for you. He's got you covered. Um, uh, I would also recommend Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, this is a zombie post-apocalyptic landscape, but again with that great directorial touch. Yeah, Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle's fantastic, and I generally am I'm a scaredy cat. Um, so I don't watch a lot of scary movies, but this one is just done so perfectly, and again has has those great human emotions um, mm-hmm. while also being a giant roller coaster ride. Um, yeah. Um, so a little away from the. Um, the roller coaster rides of the post apocalyptic landscape. Um, there's The Handmaid's Tale, either the book or the TV series, for kind of a more grim future in which women are enslaved for their fertility, Hooray. if that's your jam. Um, there's The Hunger Games, also either the books or the movies, um, which feature a pretty satisfying dystopian world. Um, I feel like the structure of how Pan Am 
is created and how all their resources are feeding into the capital makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like it it stretches a little plot-wise in the last book, but I think oh, the, totally. the societal but think, structure Yeah, makes exactly. Sense. If you're like, this is how the world works, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and again, about a young woman who's rebelling against a cruel dictator. Um, I'm sensing a theme. Yeah, right? Ladies! <laughs> um, also on the ladies' train, we've got aliens. Um which is post, not post-apocalyptic, but it has that same action movie frenzy featuring a powerful female lead. Plus Paul Reiser. Who's not a lady. No, but he's the most rebellable against male oh, yeah, character. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, there is Bitch Planet, which is also sci-fi, in which uh, non-compliant, a.k.a. not subservient, women are sent to an off-planet prison. Um, and uh, in... Kind of a, this is my stretch recommendation. Okay. okay. Watership Down. Huh. So. I mean, yeah. Okay. So go with me on this. Um, it is a tight knit community. Um, and of um individuals surviving in the wild, uh-huh. um, struggling to find a new home uh-huh. and fighting a mad dictator. Plus, there's bunnies. I want to see a bunny drive a truck now. <gasps> well, the, oh, that's part of the book at the end. That they drive a truck. No, there's a bunny in the truck though. Oh. Okay, that's basically yes. it. That's, so it's a prequel. It is. <laughs> Guys, also, I just want to say Watership Down is such a good book, and it's so full of feels. And, like, one time I saw it on a list of, like, best 100 best science fiction novels, uh-huh. and I literally looked at Walt, and I was like, why is this a science fiction novel? Like, bunnies are real. And Walt looked at me, and he's like, I don't think they talk <laughs> or have Generally. like deep mythologies. No. And I was like, well, you don't know that. It's true. There's no, I had no way to prove that. Exactly. Um, well, so, hey. yeah, Steven Universe recommendations. Steven Universe, um, Adventure Time is the biggest one. Duh. This is actually, I've only recently started watching Adventure Time, mostly because I loved Steven Universe so much. Um, I think Adventure Time's a little more, for lack of a better word, aggressive than Steven Universe. Yeah. I think the visuals and the sound design are just more frenetic and more sort of like hyper. Um, but a little I'm, more a little more fart jokey. A little more fart jokey, a little more random in its humor. No. Um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, it's willing to just be super duper weird and that's fun. Um, also on the list of things I have not yet watched but have heard great things about and I'm excited to are Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, um, the spinoff series from that. Um, another two animated series uh, that are very highly recommended and I think are prized for their character work in addition to their world building and superpowers so that's always cool um i swear to god it's the last time i'll talk about it the adventure zone podcast you guys um it is even uh even steven it is dead even with steven universe (laughs) on my list of just open-hearted surprising and tear-jerking entertainments recently um go listen to it they just finished up the um the first arc which is called the balance arc and uh, are now moving on to different stories but the balance arc is pretty damn near perfect um there is a star trek in all of its iterations i think shares a philosophy of open-hearted exploration um and a very proud embrace of cheese um you know it's willing to kind of go big and uh, i think there's a lot in star trek that gets quoted or referenced in steven universe as well like there's a lot of sci-fi trappings in general not like directly they don't like go on the enterprise or anything oh no but but, you know it's science fiction yeah and in general optimism about the the universe and its possibilities lots of different kinds of people and creatures all being valid 
Mm-hmm. Um, we'll now move over to the Annie corner of Walt's recommendations, oh, yeah. so she can tell us about the next three. Yay! Um, so my big recommendation is Sailor Moon because it's all about alien superpowered ladies. So you know, yeah. sense in the theme. If you like that, you're you're gonna enjoy the the gems. Unless there's tuxedo mask. He oh, wears a tuxedo he does. and a mask. Yep, <laughs> he sure is somebody. <laughs> Was he born in those? No, he's a person. Named Tuxedo Mask? No, like, it's kind of oh, like Sailor okay. Moon isn't her, like, she doesn't walk around being oh, like, hi, I'm Sailor fair. Moon. She's so he like, found I'm them. Serena slash Sari. No, that, but that's his, like, outfit. Like, when he transforms, he is Tuxedo yeah. Mask. Did you like, ask, did you ask about where Superman got his onesie? Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the blanket that he was wrapped in by his parents. It's his said. onesie? Yeah. How did, how big is that blanket? Also, how is that blanket going to stand up to bullets and stuff? Well, it doesn't. He does. Yeah, but his his outfit doesn't get bullet holes in it. He he sews it later on every day. He's very he's very talented, and he grew up on a farm. (laughs) You have to know how to sew if you You live on a farm. You have to. Actually, that's probably true. That's true. Yeah, that wasn't a goof. Farms are serious business. No, it's true. As is your recommendation for Sailor Moon. Yeah, also Sailor Moon. Yeah, it's delightful. Go watch it. Um. There is Over the Garden Wall, which is, I believe, another Cartoon Network property. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and has that, it's definitely weirder than Steven Universe. Wow. Like, it's not as gentle. It's, I would say, more unsettling. More unsettling. Yeah. Um, it's creepier. So um, I think it's not something that I would show to, like, young kids in the same way I would show Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very sensitive. And even while it's, like, real creepy... Like it actually cares about its characters a lot, That's and great. yeah, like, and it's all about these like bigger emotions and family, um, while also being exciting and fun, and and yeah. has really cool visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say uh, Lumberjanes, which is a comic series that Annie has read, yeah, and Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, which is a comic series I have read, yeah, are both wonderful uh, comic series for girls or for anybody and, for and young like, kids, but yeah. that feature. Strong female yeah, women. Yeah, with a like magical bench. Strong female women. <laughs> that's that's well, my genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like very, that, that prominently focus on female characters and their experiences. Yeah. Um, and also I've heard great things about Moon Girl and yeah. Devil Dinosaur, that it's adorable. And is it's, that one? Is that Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Is it Moon yeah. Girl co- like? No, it's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It's a, it's a little girl and her pet dinosaur. Who's a big it. red T Rex? I love it. I know. I, th- I actually think oh. you would really, really like it. So we'll check That's that so one out. It's so warm and fuzzy. I know. It's great. Um, and my last one is the Steven Universe soundtrack. Oh, no, you missed one. Did I? Yeah. Oh, my second to last one is <laughs> Samurai Jack. Um, again, a little darker tinged than Steven Universe. Um, I think it was, its prominent run was in the mid 90s. And so it isn't as forward thinking in some ways like it plays into some cliches and tropes and it's very dude driven and it feels very sometimes like um boys and toys but it's a beautifully animated show um it does a lot with genre in the same way as steven universe and with different art styles and uh it's just a cool cool little cartoon about a samurai who gets thrown back in time um they had a new series that came out this year that i have not watched yet because i'm rewatching all the originals first to fully prep myself um and then lastly the steven universe soundtrack yeah um the music in this show is so good and they just put out the soundtrack that is all of the songs in it so far and they're so delightful 
And if you love that, you should also make sure to watch YouTube videos of the live Comic-Con panels they do because they always have song performances yeah. in them live. And mm. they're so good. And Rebecca Sugar is awesome <sighs> and sings and plays the ukulele and should be my best friend. She's the best. Please, Rebecca, please. Um, can I throw one more yes. recommendation? In Absolutely. For, um, for Steven Universe uh, no, or Mad Max? No, for Mad Max, actually. Oh, yeah, totally. um, Orphan Black. Yeah. Because, again, like, Lady... Body ownership. Yeah, body autonomy, mm-hmm. um, fighting really sketchy dudes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and squishy things. Yeah, real like, squishy things. Yeah. Don't it, watch it when you're having dinner. No, that we had to learn that lesson the hard yeah. way. Because there's always at least one moment yeah. per episode. I'm oh, like, exactly. Whoa! And then if you don't have a squishy moment in an episode, you're like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I feel so um, But like phenomenal performances and like real attention to character. Mm-hmm. Um and I just I love that show so much. And the season finale or the series oh, finale was, was perfect. It was so good. It was really lovely. Oh. Um, well, yay, Annie, we are back with a supersized season two or year two episode. Yeah, I and like we could have talked about this for another hour. Yeah, we love it, these properties so much. Yeah, and if you want to join us in talking about these properties forever, um, you can contact us. Uh, but first, you can find us as we keep enthusing about them and post any Steven Universe Mad Max crossover fan art we can find. Yeah to our website at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. If you think that um, you would fuse together different characters or um, if any characters in Mad Max would be a particular gem kind, um, you can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. You can find the Facebook thread where we will inevitably be talking about all of the other crossover stuff that we didn't get to talk over talk about with these properties on this show um, at our cro- Facebook page, which is Crossover Appeal Podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at crossover at at Crossover Appeal. Yay! And um, Rebecca Sugar, if you are on Twitter and want to be our friend, you just let us know Please because we're us. ready. Yeah, or Tom Hardy because he posts pictures of his puppy. Oh, or of Tom his dog. Hardy! If you want to come and hang out with Bodo, Tom Hardy. Everybody, we'll... read Tom Hardy's tribute to his dog Which who is passed beautiful. away. It's the most beautiful and poorly written thing I've ever oh, read. It's amazing. He, he, he wrote from the heart. Feels. Yeah, he wrote from the heart. He's an actor, not a writer. Oh, baby, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Oh, but in any case, we are we are we have Bodo here for some extra cuddles. Exactly. If Tom Hardy needs them. If you need them. Um, and most importantly, here in our second year, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating if you already do, so that we can keep spreading the word. Yeah, spreading the good word of crossover appeal. <laughs> we'll be putting out have some you tracks heard the good pretty word? soon. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I think we're off to a lovely start. Yeah. yeah. Um, so get ready for lots more fun and crossovers yeah. in season two we got a bunch of crazy stuff coming down the pipe and we're super stoked about it um but in the meantime finishing up for the evening this has been crossover appeal i'm walt mcgoff i'm annie cardi and we are reminding you to as always please ship responsibly 